Welcome to the Lance Well Now Show, especially all of you insomniacs that are watching this at 1 o'clock in the morning across the fruited plain. Maybe 2 in the morning if you're, uh, if you're on uh, the East Coast. Because I'm on at 1 a.m. and um, they start. And of course, this might be playing again on YouTube or another channel at, at any hour of the day. But I'm filming it for, and I'm recording it for the 1 a.m. special session on Daystar. Now, we were going down the rabbit trail last week of the Foundation series, is what I'm going to call it. But I never, I never really got to the Foundation. We got caught up in the trade winds of what's going on with Hamas and Israel and the Middle East. And because your foundation gets tested by times of shaking. And the shaking of world events right now is causing people to get shaken. They're asking all kinds of questions like, is this another war in the Middle East? Should we be involved? Uh, what do you think is happening? Is this Gog and Magog? And, and uh, what about replacement theology? Doesn't the church replace the Jews? Then we exit in, a, in a, what, the rapture, and then God goes back and deals with the Jews. Let the Jews alone. Let them figure it out. So there's all kinds of shenanigans out there in terms of theology, and I can't possibly begin to sort through the, you know, the, the haystack of confusion out there in one broadcast. But I can tell you this, shaking reveals your foundations. Jesus said that uh, the winds will come, the storm will come, the rains will come, and it's going to test everybody's house. But the house that can't be shaken is going to be built upon a rock. I remember, I have Mercedes Sparks here with me, by the way. Mercedes, thanks for joining me. Have Normally on my daily podcast, every day of the week, Monday through Friday, we do these podcasts. Actually, in Saturday and Sunday, we pre-record too. Yeah. Well, but I remember, I what? Can I show my cute shirt? I got it. But it's called Baking Spirits Bright because it's baking season. Am I right, ladies? Okay, go ahead. I just had to show it. It was so Baking cute. Spirits Bright. Well, I was surprised to see when we were in Canada. People know you up there in Canada. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And I was saying, you know, it's so much easier to be in my seat. I always feel like I'm in the sidecar because you do all the work. And then I have, you know, 20 minutes to come up with an incisive comment. So, Well, I appreciate things. that so, mm -hmm. Mercedes. And um, thanks uh, to your mother for me giving you some more time speaking <laughs> <laughs> She says to me, there are comments coming in saying Mercedes needs to contribute more. She has something to say. I thought, wait, that's her mother. <laughs> and my aunt. And your aunt. Well, there you go. All right, so I remember a prophecy I got years ago when I was a young, young man in ministry. And the, 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 the man of God laid hands on me and he prophesied. He says, and uh, continue in the word of God and continue digging until you hear the shovel go dink. I'll never forget that because it was such a word picture. You know, you're digging, you're digging, you hear that sound of gran granular, you know, dirt moving, and then you go, dink. That's when you hit the rock. Keep digging, Jesus said. The man, the wise man, the Bible says, dug deep. He dug till he heard the shovel go dink. I'd almost like to call this a, by, a show by a different name. We should be called the Think Dink, <laughs> because I want you to think until you hear the shovel go dink. Here's a verse right here that ought to shake you up. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 12, Paul says, There are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of illumination. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. 
whose ends will be according to their deeds. Now, why is Paul upset about this? He's talking to these Corinthians because he is upset that they are being led astray in their thinking from the foundations he was laying. He says, look, if someone comes in verse 4, get your Bible. By the way, you ought to have a Bible. During, during these times, we're going to do a Bible till you hear the shovel go dink. You can't know it's going dink if you can't read it. Get a Bible and get a pen. If anyone comes to you and preaches another Jesus, circle that, another Jesus. How do you know the Jesus you heard is the actual Jesus? Or you receive a different spirit. How do you know the spirit? Have you ever met a person involved with a cult? I mean, if they're really heavily involved with a cult, they're so convinced, but there's a deceiving spirit. Have you ever dealt with somebody that's really under a spirit of deception and their eyes are bulging? They're illuminated, they're excited, they're talking. It's a spirit's got a hold of their brain. Another Jesus with a different spirit and a different gospel. And by the way, if, uh, if it's possible, it'll happen because you've got false ministers preaching a different Jesus. I sometimes think, wouldn't it be freaky if in the judgment you find out that there are a number of people that you thought were Christians that you find aren't even Christians. That's the scariest thought. You know that one verse where it says, we cast out demons in your name, we prophesied in your name, and Jesus says, away from me, I never knew you. That one freaks me out because these are people who are actually doing the work and on all accounts on the surface level should know Jesus. And even the devil is, is respecting the authority of their gift, mm -hmm. but they don't know Jesus. Well, and to, you know, Larry and I talk about this and I think, you know, people doing signs and wonders and miracles, uh, prophesying, that actually can't be a litmus test to know if they're a Christian or not. I mean, normally you would look at that stuff and we're conditioned to think, well, surely that's a Christian. So I'm going to follow what they're saying. But if they're, if what they're preaching or teaching is contradictory to the, the biblical Jesus, like what you're talking about, that's a real issue, because like we were saying in the last episode, there's a lot of Jesus out there right now. Well, with that thought in mind, I am really serious about this, folks. I want you to examine. Paul says, isn't it like in 2 Corinthians 13:5? Uh, mm -hmm. Examine yourself. Test yourself if you really are in the faith, if Christ is really in you. And, uh, and, and it's, it's really a a question of, of have, we, have we laid down the foundation? I want to go somewhere here. Would you go look up um, uh, where Paul says, um, I fed you with mm -hmm. uh, milk and not meat? Mm -hmm. Because I know it's in Hebrews, yeah. but I've got so many things underlined here in Hebrews. I think I'm it's in Corinthians, of... though. I think it's 1 Corinthians 3, 2. I fed you with milk and not meat. I always get the King James Version here online. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you ye able. And, and what do you think that means? I think that means there's deeper revelation for you to understand that I wish I could tell you about, but you don't even have the foundations there yet, like the building blocks. It's almost like I think like math and subtraction and multiply and divide, you need those things in a certain order before you can understand algebra and 
and even deeper math. It's like he has things he wants to communicate, but they're not ready for it. Well, I want you to just stop the camera for a second. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Stop the clock. Stop the clock. Good job. I'm having a problem with Hebrews 6. What do you want? Yeah, it's right in front of me. I didn't see it. Okay, pick it up again. All right, let's, let's take a look at what we're talking about here with this. They, they, they didn't have the ability to hear it. And here's the verse I was looking for. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Concerning Melchizedek. Now, now Paul is, or the writer here, Apollos or Paul, we don't know quite who it is. We think it's Paul or Apollos. The writer is saying, I have a revelation I want to give you about Melchizedek, this mysterious character in the Old Testament who is both a king and a priest. He's a prototype of the of the new breed, the Messiah will be of the line of Judah. He's not going to be a Levitical Aaron priest. He's going to be from the kingly tribe of Judah. God's going to switch things up. He's going to be a king, but he's also the high priest of God. He's going to merge the two offices into one. And this extraordinary new elixir, this nitro merged with glycerin, this royalty mixed with priesthood will be a royal priesthood with power over the devil and governmental authority while reaching men and bringing them to heaven like a priest. He said, but I can't talk about that any longer. As I'm writing, I feel as though I, I, I'm not authorized to speak more about this. I have a revelation I want to release which, by the way, goes to something we want to preach, which we have a hard time preaching, which is Nehemiah and Ezra are the end-time pattern, government and priest. Zerubbabel and Joshua, government and priest. Mordecai and Esther, government and priest. The church has a hard time hearing it, considering we want to say something about Melchizedek, but it's hard because you are dull of hearing. That word dull is a curious word, nothros, N-O-T-H-R-O-S, dull of hearing, which means... Previous religious teaching is making it hard to get a fresh revelation into your head. In other words, if you've been taught your whole life that you just get saved and that's it. You have the Holy Spirit. When Jesus comes into your heart, you get the Holy Spirit. That's all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get. Well, guess what? Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive you the Holy Ghost. He breathed on them. They received. At that moment, they were born again. They weren't done. He said, tarry ye in the upper room until you receive power from on high. They had to go wait 10 more days to get the Holy Spirit. Well, it was they already had the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. What they did not have was the endowment of power upon them. Nevertheless, if you've been taught as a good Baptist, you already have the Holy Spirit if you're born again. Those Pentecostals and Charismatics, they're talking about something else, but they're, you've already got it. Well, if you've already got it, then you don't need a Pentecost, do you? You don't need to obey Jesus and go to the upper room like the disciples. You don't need any more than you got. You see how previous Religious teaching conditions you against a progressive revelation. You have become dull. The church, by and large, is churchified. I mean it. We're locked inside a box. Mercedes, we're in a box. We're in a certain way of thinking about church. It's a building on the corner with the pastor that we go to once a week. Yeah. And yet, here you are, the ecclesia God is trying to build. I will build my ecclesia. He's building you. As a stone, you're supposed to find the two, three, four, five, the other ones you connect with become a habitation for the glory to come into and you connect with a larger church. Sure, you gather together in a local fellowship, 
But the house God's building is you mm-hmm. and those connected to you, not the place down the street. Mm-hmm. That's where you go to assemble. The Bible says assemble. All the stones come together and they form an assembly. You meet there to hear the word of God, but then you go back and occupy the territory. Anyway, mm-hmm. the writer says, I want to share this with you, but you, you can't hear it. Uh, at a distance of like, I don't know, 200 miles away. You can't, I, I sense that you're dull of hearing. You can't hear it. Previous religious conditioning is making it hard for you to receive Melchizedek. I can't go down there. For by this time, you ought to be the teachers. You should be the rabbis. You should be the oracles opening up the mysteries to others. But you have need for someone to teach you. What? The foundations. The elementary principles. The elementary first principles of the oracles of God. You've actually come to need milk. You think, this is so true. So many of, this is going to offend so many people, but so many of the in-depth prophecy followers and QAnon breadcrumb followers and black hat, white hat mystery followers, they think they're in the deep end and other people don't understand what's going on. But the truth is, my opinion, there's a need for fundamental milk before we move on mm-hmm. to the, um, the rare air of interpreting the signs of the times and what God is going to do. And maybe if we, if we would go deeper, we could go higher is the point. Mm. If we go deeper, dink, we'd be in a position for God to speak. I'll tell you, I, I want to hear what you have to say. I, hear, I see your hand waving, but I'm, even I last night, the Lord was taking, taking me to task. He, I said, Lord, I need to hear it's coming into that season again and people are going to be prophesying all kinds of stuff and ooh, every now and then I feel like i got to get back in the thus saith the Lord mode. And most of you know me as a teacher, certainly in the secular news or when I do broadcasting, I'm more like, you know, a, a, a commentator. I'm not the one they go, when they think prophet, they'll go to Hank Coonham or Kim Clement. But Daniel was a prophet. He just wasn't going Pentecostal in the courtroom. He wasn't going thus saith the Lord in the middle of Nebuchadnezzar's board meeting. But the prophets can be in business or in corporate, but I'm feeling the prophetic coming on me. You know what the Lord told me? If you would spend more time seeking my face, you'd hear my secrets, and the secrets are shared with the prophets to proclaim. In other words, the Lord was challenging me and said, you're going to have to go a little deeper. Deeper till you hear the shovel go dink in communion. When you hear the dink, I'll give you an insight into what I'm doing, and then you can broadcast, proclaim, and prophesy it. Well, it was a good little correction, but it was an invitation too. Encouraged me. Now you were waving me down for a second. What were you well, thinking? Well, I mean, you're reading out of Corinthians, but some of my favorite stuff is 1 Corinthians 1.12 and then also 1 Corinthians 3.4, where it talks about this concept that some say, I follow Paul. Some say, I follow Cephas. Some say, I follow Apollos. And Paul says, but, you know, it's, it's all about Jesus. I mean, that's the gist of the first three chapters of 1 Corinthians is that they get caught up in chasing the personality of their day. And he's like, I, Paul's like, I'm thankful I didn't baptize any of you. But then he goes, you know, like you think about writing a letter, goes, but I did baptize this guy, this guy, this guy. But that is it, you know? And I just, I love I love that because Christians are the same way today and they're chasing after these different voices. And Paul says, no, no, no. Are these not men? Well, it really makes you wonder because mm-hmm. people are listening an hour here, an hour there, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. And then you're wondering, I wonder how much time you're actually spending in thus saith the Lord in the word so right good. here. Preach. So 
elementary principles of the oracles of God. You've come to need milk, not solid food, because everyone who partakes only of milk isn't accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained. Because of practice, have their senses. This is an interesting and a mysterious verse, I'm sorry to say. Because the mature can discern good and evil, truth and error. There's a spirit of truth and a spirit of error. They could discern something there. Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about the Christ, reading from the uh, American Standard, probably should go over here in New King James now. Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation. Now, here's where I want to go. What are the foundation doctrines? Mm. I got 10 minutes, but this is so important. This is, this is going to... I'm going here because God told me, you go back and revisit your foundations, young man. So I'm going back to revisit them because I want to finish well, man. I'm in my 60s, heading to my 70s. I, I want to do well. I don't want to mess up. So the Lord says here, chapter 6 of Hebrews, and we're looking here, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to maturity. The American uh, version says perfection is what the New King James says. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Stop right there. Do you know what you just walked past? What people just read past there, blah, 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 they missed it. He just laid down six or seven of the foundation doctrines that if you, you get these right, you can build a spiritual skyscraper. You get these wrong, and the great falling away is going to happen, and you'll find yourself strangely numbered or your loved ones numbered among it because they did not have a foundation to handle the contradictions. Mm. Notice what he says. The first foundation is a repentance. So we're going to have to talk about what repentance is. We're going to have to talk about repentance from dead works, curiously enough, things that aren't going to profit you, and of faith toward God. But it's not just dead works, but it's faith. So you could say there's a doctrine of repentance, and then there's a doctrine of faith. And so the whole Word of Faith movement is building on a foundation of faith towards God, but that's different than the doctrine of repentance. you got like a John Bevere talks about the fear of the Lord a lot. He's, mm -hmm. God's using him to plow again the awe of God, the fear of God, the fact that many of us are accustomed to his presence but do not know him because the fear of the Lord is not among us. That's, good. That's a repentance message. That's a foundation message to get you back with what? Repenting. But then you get your brother Copeland, brother Hagen, Andrew Womack. They're going to be talking about of faith, God doctrines of faith. But then look at what it says. And of the doctrine of baptisms. Ooh, is that a plural word I see there? The doctrine of baptisms or instructions about washing and laying on of hands. <laughs> American standard totally skips it. So there's a baptism in water. Do you know, I have my pastor, Mike Hayes, told me one of the most phenomenal experiences he ever saw in his ministry of miracles was a woman he baptized in water and seven spirits came out of her in the form of smoke. She came out and... She just basically whew, coughed out and seven clouds came out of her body. 
He saw the cloud come out of her body and spirits came out of her. He rebuked them. So doctrines of baptisms, do you know what it's like to have your life cut off from the cur curse? Doctrine is more, when there's the spirit baptism, I talked about that a moment ago, but then there's the doctrine of baptism, which is your own body going in, the doctrine of baptism. But it's plural. I had uh, business people when I was with Dave Yarns up at uh, Morningstar in Moravian Falls. We had, I had a, I had a revelation, I'd heard this from Pastor Dan Hammer out in, uh, I guess it was in Portland, Oregon. Or he's in Seattle, one of those places. I think it's Portland. But he said, um, he said that he had his business people put their documents and their, their, their uh, corporate documents and their letters of their corp incorporation into a plastic baggie. And then he had them literally baptize their business so that their business was dedicated to God. Because as he pointed out, many people, when they get water baptized, their wallet didn't go with them, which means they still practice the same unbelief and stinginess after their conversion as they had before. But if everything you've got goes to Christ, here's the point. These people would put their documents underwater and they would literally say, you know what, Lord, everything I've got is supposed to be dedicated to you. It's not like Sunday's the Lord's day and Monday I go back into the world. No, Monday's the Lord's day. Tuesday, the businessman doesn't have a Sunday, Monday mentality. It's all week is Jesus. So you take that business and I, Lord, I, I'm renewing my mind to realize I really didn't incorporate this. I thought it was just my sins. It also is everything I have. Separate it from the world and from the devil. And I consecrate it unto you that it's cut off from Egypt. And I bring it back out into resurrection life like the Jews going out of Egypt and the promised land through the Red Sea. It's a type of baptism. And something would happen. Many businesses that we did this with had lawsuits that stopped. They had problems that ended. They had finances that were being held up, came in, because they had somehow activated their faith to participate in a fuller revelation of the doctrine of baptism, that they were separating themselves from their old days. Anyway, let me read on to you here. So we got doctrines of baptism. These, these are what we're going to cover in the foundation series here, these cool insights that will bless you and feed you. Now, what about this, the doctrine of laying on of hands? Did you know that's a foundation doctrine? I actually, be honest with you, I wouldn't have added that. If someone had given me a list of 30 subjects, mm. I would not have put laying on of hands. I would have put that on there like divine healing as a subject. Mm. But laying on of hands evidently is a, is a foundational doctrine. Why is that? I think it's because in the first century, when you were moving on in your ministry in the body of Christ, the, you'll read Timothy, young Timothy, he was promising for his future. Timothy has Paul, Barnabas. I think the laying on of hands is a supernatural release of gifts and authorizations with prophetic directives that are boundary moments, kind of like getting married or, or, or graduating from college. It's a boundary moment with the laying on of hands when you go up another level in insight, and access to your divine calling. And the laying on of hands has been undertaught in the body of Christ because we just have altar calls and there is a doctrine of laying on of hands for impartation, laying on of hands, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Blessed the altar, bless, 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 bless. But there's a laying on of hands for separation. 
Moses did it with Joshua. Paul says he did it with Timothy when he was a young man and he kept him on his mind. He thought, oh, I remember that young kid. When it came time to pick a traveling companion, he said, Timothy's the one I want. Tell you something, I've been in the laying on a hands area of uh, the latter rain movement it was really great in this, 1948, because those prophets of the latter rain movement, it was a movement of laying on a hands with prophecy. Be honest with you, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if I didn't have it happen to me. My, my pastor, my spiritual mom was a latter rain prophetess, Pastor Mallet. She laid hands on me. And she prophesied me out of the world of work into the world of ministry. And I felt, uh, and, and then Leonard Fox came along right beside her, another prophet, and prophesied me out of confusion and clar into clarity with one, said, lingering in your mind are strongholds that have got to come down. You've warred with thoughts saying, if I was really saved, why would I have the conflicts that I have? But the word of the Lord comes to you today that one by one those strongholds are coming down under the authority of Christ. You're going to be a winner and not a loser. Mm. How could I prophesy that to you right now? Those words went into me and they warred against the lies of the devil and I broke out of Babylon. And I literally was working in Babylon, New York in a corporate office at the time and felt that I was not worthy to be a preacher. That laying on of hands in prophecy, bam, put me in orbit. Well, I wonder about you. Do you know about the doctrine of laying out of hands? Have you had laying out of hands happen to you? I'm talking about repentance, baptisms, laying out of hands, faith. Hey, how about this one? Resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. There's a doctrine of resurrection of the dead. My gosh, I was listening to these people the other day. It was Jordan Peterson, it was Sam Harris, it was Dennis Prager, it was all these people. And I thought, where they are so brilliant and so famous, they still don't know what they're talking about because they don't have the doctrine of the resurrection. They have no idea about an afterlife. I want you to get a hold of God's chaos code. I'm walking you through the chaos right now. God, for the next 10 years, is going to be walking us through the shaking in economics, shaking in geopolitical, shaking in the world of there, you might even have a day where the government is hostile to the church and hate speech is going to try to rule your mouth. It's all covered here, but don't be shaken up when it happens because the Lord told you it's coming. But he is going to clothe his people with extraordinary favor and give them open doors of utterance because the last day's church is going to be dipped in the honey of heaven. God's going to have a favor on the bride. And I want you to be able to have both the chaos code, which is this book on the chaos that's coming, and already started, and how to walk in the supernatural rhythm of favor in the midst of chaos. While we're doing our foundation series, much of the foundation ideas are in these resources. How can I get them to you? I'm going to give them to you for your gift of any amount. All you got to do is go to lancewallow.com forward slash favor, F-A-V-O-R, lancewallow.com forward slash favor, W-A-L-L-N-A-U, or call 1-800-910-6349. Call, and I look forward to seeing you next week.